Matthew chapter 2 verses 1 to 12. After Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem and asked, Where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. When King Herod heard this, he was disturbed and all Jerusalem with him. When he had called together all the people's chief priests and teachers of the law, he asked them where the Messiah was to be born. In Bethlehem in Judea, they replied, for this is what the prophet has written. But you, Bethlehem, in the land of Judah, are by no means least among the rulers of Judah. For out of you will come a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod called the Magi secretly and found out from them the exact time the star had appeared. He sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. As soon as you find him, report to me so that I too may go and worship him. After they had heard the king, they went on their way. And the star they had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they were overjoyed. On coming to the house, they saw the child with his mother Mary, and they bowed down and worshipped him. Then they opened their treasures and presented him with gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh. And having been warned in a dream not to go back to Herod, they returned to their country by another route. Thanks. Nativity scenes. Seen a few, I'm sure. Uh, <coughs> wooden ones, metal ones, neon ones, elaborate ones in shopping centres, uh, live ones, toy ones, contemporary ones, <laughs> uh, kitsch ones. Uh, I particularly like Bill and Ted as the shepherds there. That's um, really cool. And the three wide Vaders. Um, and Batman is a star. <laughs> anyway, yeah. And uh, even horrible ones. Yeah. Mm, ham. We know what the, uh, the running theme is in that nativity scene. But irrespective of how good or bad they are, what are, you, what are the essential items? What are the essential items? You know, there's some kind of barn, right? Uh, Mary and Joseph, of course. And baby Jesus, absolutely. Uh, and then there's the magical star uh, and then the exotic three wise men. But have you actually ever wondered why those are there? Why the star and the wise men are there? I mean, what's the point of them, really? Uh, many actually think they're just a myth or a, uh, a literary flourish to fill in uh, the story of King Jesus born in a manger to Virgin Mary. Now, after all, they're actually only mentioned once in the Bible uh, in Matthew chapter 12 that we just read. So, do we really need to bother with these guys and this star? Well, believe it or not, uh, they actually bring us into the Christmas story. How, I hear you ask? I don't see myself there, unless I'm the donkey. Uh, <laughs> well, here's the thing. On the one hand, the Christmas story is just so removed from us uh, because it's a very, very Jewish event, particularly as Matthew writes about it in his Gospel. It's all about Jesus being descended from Abraham, the father of the Jews, and from David, the most famous old Jewish king, 
uh, and born at a particular time in Jewish history to parents who were very Jewish in the Jewish town of Bethlehem to the king of the Jews, to be the king of the Jews in fulfilment of some old Jewish scriptures. Uh, This event, it's uh, just so removed from us geographically, in time, in culture, in language, in life. Uh, We don't actually really fit into this picture anywhere. We're outsiders, looking in on something that is very familiar to us now, yet in reality, uh, it's just so distant from us and from every non-Jew. If we were non-Jews living back then and someone came up to us and said, hey, uh, the king of the Jews, he's just been born in Bethlehem, as the Torah says, we'd be like, what? Uh, I don't get it. I'm not Jewish. Go away. It would be a little bit like telling someone from Beijing that you saw the ghost of Jenny Dixon Beach up near Noraville. Uh, Not many coasties would know to care, let alone a Beijinger. And yet, here we are, mostly speaking English, on the other side of the planet, in Australia, over 2,000 years later, and we've not only heard about Jesus, this backwater, itinerant Jewish preacher who, incidentally, he never left Israel in his lifetime during his ministry, but we know his life story even down to the details of his birth. How is that a thing? Well, because way before Jesus, it was always God's plan that Jesus be known to all people and not just known but worshipped. And that's where the wise men and the star come in because to start with, like most of us, if not all of us, the wise men... They're not Jewish, they're outsiders like us, outsiders who put us and all people into the Christmas story as they eagerly seek Jesus out and then happily recognise him as more than king of the Jews. But are they the real deal or just a myth or, or a nice addition to entertain kids? Well, John Dixon is a uh, Christian historian and writer. He's got a podcast called Undeceptions. He recently did a short episode on the star and the wise men. It's a really good listen. I recommend it to you. Anyway, the uh, the theologian and astronomer, a guy called Michael Molnar, gets a bit of a mention because he and a bunch of other academics, serious academics, they think the wise men and the star are the real historical deal. The wise men, they're called magi in the Bible, not to be confused with those delicious two-minute noodles, which uh, strangely abandoned the U.S., Uh, Magi is actually where we get the word magic and in the first century these Magi, they came from Mesopotamia uh, from the kingdom of Parthia Uh, they were known as religious scholars Uh, many of them were astronomers and astrologers Uh, but they were also a part of the ruling elite in Parthian society they're a big deal and they were well respected by the Romans at the time uh, of Jesus. And so it's a big deal then when we read in Matthew's Gospel, as we read earlier, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem in Judea during the time of King Herod, Magi from the east came to Jerusalem. Israel at this time, of course, was a vassal state of Rome. And then they asked King Herod, where is the one who has been born King of the Jews? Uh, we saw his star when it rose and have come to worship him. And then later we read, After they had heard the king, they went on their way and the star that he had seen when it rose went ahead of them until it stopped over the place where the child was. Now, if the star was a comet 
or a supernova, you'd expect some other record of it at the time, since such an event would be seen by, well, anyone any, anywhere, everyone everywhere. But there isn't, and that's strange. Unless what the Magi saw wasn't a bright starry light in the sky, but more an astrological configuration, a star sign that only a trained astrologer or astronomer could see. I don't know if you've ever wondered what Jesus' star sign is. Anyone ever thought of it? Probably not. But look it up on the net and you get a whole bunch of theories. Some say he was born to uh, in mid to late to, uh, September, which would make him a Libra or a Virgo. Uh, others think he was born around uh, January, December, uh, which would make him either a Sagittarius or a Capricornus or an Aquarius. Uh, but he's probably more likely uh, that Jesus is an Aries. At least that's what uh, Michael Molnar and a bunch of other Christian academics think, and it's pretty compelling. Uh, ancient astro- astrologers, they connected each geographical region with one of the 12 traditional constellations, Aquarius, Pisces, etc., the 12 on, that you saw on that wheel. And the land of the Jews, guess which land that was linked with? Aries, the ram. Now, of the known visible planets, Jupiter uh, is the star of royalty because Jupiter was the king of the gods in uh, mythology. And if Jupiter rises in the Aries constellation, then that's a sign to an ancient astrologer, to Magi, of a a royal birth in Judea. Which might explain why they say, where is the one who's been born king of the Jews? We saw his star when it rose. And we know uh, in April of the year 6 BC, Jupiter rose in the Aries constellation, right in the middle of when the historians think that Jesus was born between uh, 5 to 6 BC. But that's not all. Uh, All the other known visible planets, Mercury, Venus, Mars, etc., they also rise in the Aries constellation around this time, which is red. And on top of that, the moon eclipses Jupiter around the same time, which is another significant uh, thing. And for all of those things to happen, all at the same times, makes a super rare event, an event that happens only once every 3,000 years. For an ancient astrologer, uh, this would be a significant astrological sign. No wonder the Magi are super keen to find this king of the Jews and worship him. He's an astronomically special event. But what does it mean that the star stopped over the place where the child was? Well, uh, in December of the year 6 BC, uh, Jupiter moves forward while the other visible stars stay fixed, but then stays still for a couple of days, it stops and then moves backwards. Now, if that happens directly over Bethlehem, nobody's going to notice. But some magi just might. So the idea is that in April, in Parthia, the magi see Jupiter rising in the Aries constellation and then in December, taking time to travel there and chat to Herod and find it, uh, in December in Bethlehem they see Jupiter stopping and arrive at Jesus' place. Now, of course... God could have miraculously made a bright star or comet that only the Magi could see to physically guide them to Jesus. The star could have had hands and been pointing at uh, the place. 
But in some ways, it's even more marvellous that he might have done it by star sites. Timed things so perfectly that the planets literally align to correspond to the learning and education of a bunch of Parthian astrologers. Now, this isn't a green light to start a course on astrology, but it does show God to be much more than the God of Israel or even the God of all the nations. He's the God of the universe who wants the nations to know him. Not in the stars, but in what the stars back then pointed to. Jesus. In Jesus. And he starts by sending these these stargazing magi to him who give him gifts fit for a king. Gifts of gold, frankincense and myrrh and then they worship him. Now, in the Gospel of Matthew, to worship means more than just bowing down and paying homage. Where to see the Magi's worship here is something that you do to God. Jesus is God. And clearly his kingship extends to more than the Jews. He's the king of all people. And so it's no accident the whole Gospel of Matthew ends with Jesus having risen from the dead, telling his followers to go and make disciples of all nations. Something anticipated here with the Magi, even as Jesus was a child. In this way, the Magi are our link, our gateway into the Christmas story, this very Jewish event, to see that Jesus is not just for the Jews, but for all people who would come to him. So, the next time you come across a nativity scene on a card or on TV or in a supermarket or wherever, and you see the Magi and the star, you know why they're there? For you. Remember they're there for you to remind you that Jesus came for all people, that Jesus came for you, that you might come to know him. The Christmas story may be a very Jewish event, but here with the Magi we see it's for all people, which brings us to our final point, because to know Jesus is to have a very bright future, because life with Jesus is the best life. Just before this story of the Magi and Star, Matthew tells us of an angel chatting with Joseph, assuring him it's all okay with his fiancée, Mary, who's pregnant, saying this, Joseph, son of David, don't be afraid to take Mary home as your wife because what is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus because he will save people, his people from their sins. The reason... God brought Jesus into the world is to forgive people's sins. Now sin, you might have heard that word, it's not just the bad things we do, it's it's the broken thing inside every one of us that makes us think that we know what's best for us. That thing inside that, that, that demands, I get to decide what's right and good for me. I make my own future. Not you, me. Certainly not God. But look where that's got us. The world's a mess. Relationships are hard. All too often life happens to us rather than for us. And if we're honest, we know we don't have it all together. We're a little bit of a mess. We keep stuffing things up. Things keep getting stuffed up (laughs) for us by others. And we're not really sure about where life is heading. But we still keep putting our hopes in this and that. Uh, It's no secret that some look to the stars for their future and for certainty. But... And there's been a, a recent rise in astrology, particularly during the, uh, uh, the pandemic for that very reason. Maybe that's not you, but 
we might be putting our hope and our trust in something else. Maybe in our version of the Magi, scientists or politicians, or in distrusting scientists and politicians. Our hopes might be in technology or entertainment, in family, in good times of Christmas, in presents, in our work, in money, in medicine, in friendships, in that love interest, uh, in being positive, in being cynical. Whatever it is that we study or invest in or whatever it is that guides us on the road that we take and shapes the decisions we make and the people we hang around and the conversations that we love to have, it's probably where our hopes are at and how we're trying to secure our future. But like the Magi star, we should see those those things as signs, signs only. Signs as they either thrill us for a little bit or inevitably let us down. Signs to show us that the only thing that can truly secure our future into eternity is Jesus. Because only he brings us God's forgiveness for rejecting him. Only he can promise us being with God forever. Only he can give us a life lived in real hope now. And this bright future is for anyone who'd come to him. Not to give him gifts fit for an earthly king, but firstly, to give him their sins. That is in the sense of owning their the wrong things they've done and their brokenness and seeking him to take that from them. To take the misery and the guilt of being broken and of rejecting God and to accept that they had been dealt with on that cross as Jesus died there in our place. Because with this, with this comes the freedom of forgiveness. The freedom that makes living for Jesus now not an act of fear, I better do it or you'll get mad at me, but because you love him, because he loved you first. That's the freedom of living with Jesus now and the hope of an eternity with him that is a dead set certainty because he rose from the dead and that's all wrapped up here, anticipated in the Christmas story. A very Jewish event for all people to find Jesus and with him to enjoy a very, very bright future with God. It had surprised me then, hearing this and having come to Jesus, that like the Magi, we wouldn't want to worship this king as well, this king of the Jews, on this Christmas day and every day until he comes again for us. So let's do that together now and worship Jesus in song as the band come and lead us in our final song together. O come, all ye faithful.